disturb your brother, folks, or karma's gonna bite you in the ass. Welcome to episode 22 of the Mutant Musings podcast. We're in the midst of April, so we'll be, dis- we'll be discussing some new comics and some classic comics later in the show. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is a drunken brunch waiting to happen. Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on geekade.com or One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. Come look at some of our favorite X-Men and X-Men related images. Follow us in real life. But for the next little while, we're going to be painting some really colorful images with our really colorful language. Fuck. We've got some bitchy beige, craptastic crimson, and fucking fuchsia ready to penetrate your face holes. So, yeah, so this is what we're doing from now on. At least we're going to give it a try. Is uh, Twice a month, we're going to have new episodes. The first Wednesday of each month, we're going to be talking about new comics and uh, comic book news, movie news, TV news, um, and then the news third... about us, whatever the fuck we want, <laughs> yeah. really, because it's our show, I guess. so suck a dick. So deal with it. Uh, and then the third Wednesday of every month, we're going to be talking about new comics, and we're going to be talking about some classic uh, comic books that we want to talk about, whether it's a story arc, an individual issue, a few issues, and actually this episode, we're going to be joined later on by uh, a couple of guys from the nonstop comic shop which is also on geekade.com where we're going to kind of discuss um nyx or nix if you will um nix cosmetics because we have vastly differing opinions on that comic and after listening to their episode a couple of months ago we're not friends with them anymore we had to throw our we opinions in the ties. ring we had we're, to throw them in the garbage. We had to we're get not our, friends with them anymore. We had to get our tubes tied. We had so. to get a divorce. Sorry, guys. But uh, we're seeing a lawyer now, we can't, so I'm going to take half their shit. You cannot do that. You can't, can't get that no. undone, right? Once the tubes are tied, I don't know how it works. You can re- you can reverse a vasectomy, though, if you want to. So right. It but should we're talking be about the, on the man. What? But we're talking about getting tubes tied. But, also, uh, uh, my apologies. I listened to the last episode, and my laughter is very... Funny very annoying no it's very funny really grating and it sounds fake (laughs) it's not that's um, all her no like i like inhale yeah on like the exhale that you're supposed to laugh on i don't know that's like ska you do you do the uh, the upstroke on the downstroke yeah yeah you're the ska of laughing yeah patty is the ska of laughter that is it's fine kind of but you're actually you're you're much better than ska and you're oh, laughing thank you okay it's, good. it's very funny i was gonna say please don't compare me to ska listen the first time i ever heard that laugh i'll never forget this is before we were dating we were just you know friends i had never heard that before but she had told me about that laugh so we were watching i had her watch pride of the x-men oh my she God. had never seen it before oh my God. and when wolverine opened his mouth with that fucking terrible australian accent that's the first time i heard that laugh yeah i sound like a fucking hyena squirrel like it's- <laughs> on fucking helium it's, it's amazing ridiculous. it's hilarious it makes me laugh i love it but anyway uh, so we do have some comics to talk about. I had trouble kind of narrowing it down. There ended up being more that I wanted to talk about. It, was it more than you could take? <laughs> what? Be, I don't know. Trying Why? To make a sex I'm supposed to be your boyfriend. Hey. Why are you bringing that up? All right. Uh, <laughs> so the first comic we're going to talk about is Exiles number one, which it would be cooler if it was an all X-Men title. It was just x dash. Isles? Right. It's the X Isles in the supermarket. I figure because it's featuring Blink, which is cool, and we're going to be seeing this fucking cartoon Wolverine uh, probably next issue. 
that we would talk about it, at least the first issue. I was a little underwhelmed by this one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a character introduction. It really didn't get into you much other than the multiverse is dying and Nick Fury, white Nick Fury, is the Watcher. No, he's not the Watcher. The, Nick Fury is the Unseen, which I'm like, why? Because he only has one eye? He still has yeah, one but, good eye. Okay, well, that's what they're calling him, but he is the Watcher. I mean, yeah, he can't do of. anything. He just watches and can't intervene, you know? He is the Watcher, but with one eye. So ah, very that's, true. that's what the difference is here, children, for those of you who are not familiar with the Watchers, which <laughs> uh, d- don't be anyway, because they don't do anything. They just they, They're just there. They watch and they don't do anything. They're into voyeurism. Like, They're creepy. Like, uh, like our government. <laughs> um, no, but I felt like a lot of this issue just spent... There was like so much dialogue on just setup. And I feel like the setup didn't really accomplish too much. I mean, God, I, it was just introducing different characters. Like, um, no. you know, a non-616 version of... Kamala Khan. Yeah. And um, Blink kept calling her Miss Marvel. And oh, it turned yeah. out to be a dude. And he was like, "Are you sure that's a dude, that. though? Because yes. it still looked kind of like a butch lady." No, I think it was a dude. I think it was a butch no, lady. No, because he was going by Khan. Oh yeah, I it wasn't Call. It was yeah. But um, I think that is a dude because he was like, "Don't call me Miss Marvel." No, I I know, but it it the way it seemed, it seemed like he or she he's... had been called that before. You right? think that, like, he's trans, maybe? Oh, uh, you know, I didn't even think of that. Because maybe three. if he's trans, uh, you know, female to male trans, that he would be pissed if somebody calls him Miss Marvel. That's a really, I really hope good that, point. I really hope that this new Kamala that we got, or Khan, as they yeah. are going by, is trans. That would make me so happy. Maybe it's, like, Kamal Khan or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a really, really interesting point. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about that, too, because I was like, is this, like, a butch right? woman? Yeah. Is this a man? I thought the same thing. Um, it's very, like, uh, neutral, like, yeah. androgynous. Hard to tell. I guess we'll find out. No, there's usually this uh, this wiki that's really, really reliable on all this stuff. And I was just trying to look it up, but it doesn't look like anybody's um, made a page for it yet. But, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out at some point. But the way you put it kind of makes sense. But, no, it's not just, like, the introductions. I'm just talking about, like, the first few pages of, like, the exposition where oh, Nick Fury yeah. is just talking and talking and, like, it's re- really not even revealing anything. Just monologuing that there's an issue yeah. with the multiverse but and just, Blink. There's, there's for so long so he was monologuing. a muck with the multiverse and only you can save us. Help us, Obi-Wan. You're our only hope. Uh, hey, hey, look at that. Look at that. Look, look at you at, doing a Star at, Wars look reference. Look at Patty doing the Star Wars. Um... But I was honestly disappointed that this was the uh, Age of Apocalypse blink, which I, I wasn't sure that it was going to be, and I guess that's what it is. Why are they not using the 616 blink? It's not that I have anything against this one. She's a badass, like really badass. But they haven't used her since, I don't think anyway, since um, the last ongoing volume of New Mutants. Isn't 616 blink in Cable? No, she was just in there briefly, but that was like the original version of her from the Phalanx Covenant from the 90s before she died. Yeah, but it was still 616. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, they're not using the current 616 blank. She's alive now? She's been alive. Oh, then I don't... You know what? After Necrotia, they rescued her. It's so hard to (laughs) follow who's alive and who's not because they keep coming back and then dying and then coming back. 
Just fucking whatever. Who cares? Right? So we should have left Jean Grey dead forever. You know what? I'm going to kill you in your <laughs> sleep. I know where you live. So, uh, yeah, but the character introductions were quick, but they were still, you know, enjoyable. Like, we were just talking about uh, yeah, That's con. how I like my sex. Quick and enjoy... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Khan was interesting. Her world was interesting. You know, it looked like all the Inhumans. Let's say their world. The Inhumans were, like, all fucking dying out. So that was a thing. But it's just, it's really... That was good to see, all the Inhumans dying, sorry. So, like, as soon as, uh, but, like, as soon as, like, they're introduced, like, the world's dying and they gotta jump. So there's really no way to kind of take an in-depth look at their worlds, which I feel is kind of interesting. Like, already I'm interested in this world where Inhumans are dying out, you know, and being (laughs) treated kind of like mutants have been forever. But we don't get to see that at all. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, and they're gone. Uh, and then we meet Iron Lad, who is a young Nathaniel Richards, who, you know, and they stated in the book is Kang the Conqueror. And then, you know, all of a sudden that world gets eaten too. So we don't get to see any of that. Anyway, you know, these these are kind of just gripes uh, about the pacing of this issue. It felt like it really dragged in the beginning, and then it was too quick. But That's it's, what she said. It's just an intro, so we'll see what happens with it. Um, but again, I was just very underwhelmed by it. Right, okay, so I agree for the most part with that. Honestly, I feel like the same complaints about, like, you know, not really getting to see the characters in their own times and places and whatever and getting to know their backstories and stuff is very reminiscent for me about Wolverine because he was just kind of, like, thrown in as, like, a fucking enigma and, like, I mean, still, like, you know, his origins aren't exactly known. Like, there have been various tellings of them and stuff that's true yeah so i mean depends on I the mean, writer yeah it depends on the writer depends what year it is whatever it depends you know how drunk you are yeah yeah we're gonna learn more about these characters uh, assuming that this uh series continues yeah i don't think the last series of exiles lasted too long lasted six issues i really liked yes. it and i was really upset the yeah, art was I, dope. The story was cool. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fun, but I, really, I guess it, maybe it didn't sell well. I don't know. I really fear that that's what's going to happen, honestly, with yeah, this series. Same. I can see that, like, immediately yeah. before even opening the book. Like, this is going to get canceled. And I really hope that it doesn't because I'm really interesting, interested to see this, you know, this team and, you know, the different characters, how they work together. I think it's really cool that, um, you know, we're going to have a female-fronted book. I know that that's, like... You know, who cares now at this point because we have one with Gene leading the team, whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's just like, yes, another X team or just any team in general with a female lead just like yeah. makes me so happy just because, you know what? We're making like, what, 73 cents to the dollar? That's for only white women. <laughs> People, women of color make less than that. So you I know, know what? Fuck you. Every time. And Blink is like pink. And Blink is pink. Imagine and what she's, she's making. she's got fucking, where was she? Jamaica? She has Jamaican uh, relatives or something? No, I don't think she was in Jamaica. She Bermuda? I don't remember. Regardless, uh, Blink is a person of color, literally. So anytime that, uh, you know, a female friends book comes out, I'm just like, yes, fuck the patriarchy, fuck men. <laughs> okay. Literally. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Next, we're going to talk about X-Men Gold, number 25. And I hadn't initially planned on putting this one in until I read it. Haha, that's what she said. And I really, I really loved this one. And, and this is, you know, this is just a testament to how I, I have always talked about this book, or at least for a very long time, is that, like, I both love it and hate it at the same time. Because it's like from one issue to the next, it could be great or it could be garbage. And this issue, to me, was great. Like, I don't really care about Scythian, this god 
coming back after they dropped him off in that black hole. And that really wasn't the focus of the book. It didn't really... I mean, it did matter. That's what they were all fighting, but that wasn't really the focus of the book. What it was, it was cool. First of all, that the X Men were fighting the Rhino in Manhattan. Yes, I love so that. So it's like you know they're part of like the whole superhero crime fighters of New York City. You know, it's like they're not they're not separate anymore, right? And second is editorial or the artist must have noticed that Magic got a haircut. And her bangs are shorter. So at least there's some fucking consistency now. Yes, I noticed that That's too. Silly, I was like, I when I read this out. issue, I was like, why are her bangs so short? Like, I know that they've been shorter in like, uh, New Mutants. Right. But, um, it just reminded me of that one Pop Team Epic skit, which is an anime which all of you should watch because it's just a 15 minute acid trip and <laughs> it's like 12 episodes. It's, it's great. It's fucking like the, so funny. I just, bleh, watch it. <laughs> Okay, so Storm was punished. Mm. Uh, she was put into solitary confinement. And for anybody who's ever watched Orange is a New Black or any kind of jail show or ever been to jail, we don't judge. Solitary confinement is very small. And people go crazy there, literally. They locked Storm, a noted claustrophobe, in this solitary confinement holding cell and she fucking loses her shit even though she has this collar on that's supposed to block her powers she still like calls a storm of fucking lightning thunder and uh she like short-circuited her power dampener because of how like crazy she was getting um her hammer stormcaster flew to her from asgard so that was cool Seeing her as Storm, yeah. So that was uh, it was it was it was a little cheesy, but I guess believable because of like how upset she was because she was in an enclosed space. Yeah, um, honestly, like panic attacks are nothing to fucking yeah. mess with. And so now we've got like this new team since all all these X Men are in jail and like Rogue is there. We still have Ink and Armor, and like we've got Bobby, Magma, and Pyro, uh, which we already kind of got into in the past couple of issues. I I really like Magic's classic look, and I think it was fitting here when she's like on the grounds, like in public, X Men. Uh, she's like going to talk to the warden to try to convince him to let the X-Men go. So why is she going to have the whole fucking headpiece, the black all over her? Like, you know, she looks semi-normal. I, I do, I, I have like uh, a soft spot for that look. It's uh, very nostalgic, I guess. I don't know, but I do like the classic look. I thought this was really cool that, you know, Storm just like busts in and is yelling at the warden and then all the fucking X-Men leave. Uh, I was upset though to see Bobby tell pyro that he has to wait on the plane even though it does make sense he's had like literally no training with the x-men and like all these x-men like all these interactions between like all these different team members really that's what i really liked and how they all kind of came together and took different parts in like fighting this giant thing i could care less what the giant fucking thing was it just so happens that it was scythian from the fucking negative zone but it was just it was really cool to see all of them work together that's like what the x-men are though yeah that's like what makes them is how they work together how their interactions are. That's why I like them so much. It's because of the character development. You know, who cares if it's the fucking brood or Mr. Sinister or Miss Sinister or Apocalypse, you know, like it's still fucking 
Yeah. That's like the heart and soul of the X-Men, man. Yeah, it's their, it's their, the character interactions between the team. And so, like, you know, this little line gets thrown out, and it, it was hilarious, you know? And Nightcrawler and Shadowcat get on the plane, and they see Pyro sitting there. They think that he's still a fucking villain. And he's like, no, 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 wait, you know, Iceman and Rogue made me part of the team. And she's like, that sounds depressingly just like them. You know, that's just, like, funny. It, like, makes sense. I liked at the end of the issue the, the throwback to Giant Size X-Men, you know? I think it was Shadowcat that said it, like, yeah, what are we going to do with 12 X-Men, you know, to, from giant size? At the end of the issue, they were like, what are we going to do with 13 X-Men? Yeah, so it was great. It was a lot of fun, and I really liked this issue. And if history has taught me anything, I'm probably going to hate at least the next two issues of this book. But I don't know. I thought it was great. It was well, a lot of fun. So here's a question for you. What do you think that they're going to do with 13 X-Men? They're going to rotate yeah. some of them out, probably. Uh, you think they're going to do that or are they going to like split it up like they did in, uh, you know, when they originally came out with blue and gold in what, the 90s? <laughs> Where there were like two teams. Well, we already have an X-Men blue team book and we have... No, no, this... no, I know. But like, I'm just saying like, that's what they did back then. Like, do you think they're going to do something like that now? X-Men... Like, they're not going to call it blue because we already have a blue. X-Men gold and X-Men golder. I don't know. Yeah, or like X-Men Gold and X-Men Silver, or like Pokemon. Oh, yeah, that's that's not bad. I don't know. Maybe we'll get another coloring book. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> they should just make a fucking monthly comic that's a coloring book. That would be... Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> color color your own X-Men. I love it. I want it. Can you... Oh, that's diverse. Can you... <laughs> that's promoting diversity. Can Can anybody lis- working at Marvel listening right now? Uh, Whoever sure. you are. Everyone. Tom Taylor. They're all You know I love you. <laughs> um, just, just make this happen for me, man. Uh-huh. This is all that I want in my life. All right. So... My life is really sad. So moving on, uh, we're going to talk about Astonishing X-Men number 10. There's not a ton to talk about with this one, but I've been really liking uh, this book so far. Boo. It's not like the most complex x-men title there is but what i really like is the stories have been allowing like the artists to really show off and do some weird trippy shit because like the first main villain was the shadow king right and then now we have proteus so we're getting like these rotating artists who are really getting to show off some of their you know fucking weird abstract and technical skills so in this issue like, the character designs, they were okay, all right, but, like, the dragons, the landscapes, all the fucking people, like, mushing together mushing. and all these weird shit and Proteus, like, squares and stuff were juxtaposed within, like, splash pages, and it was just, it was really amazing. And like I said, the story isn't, like, like over the top, oh my god, it's blowing me away, but it's still kind of... It's still kind of nifty. First of all, uh, we have this guy X now, and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't totally trust you. And I'm like, but Mystique is allowed on the team. Listen. So she gets the vote of trust, but not this guy. Listen, because fucking Mystique is a fucking team member of the X-Men in the movies, so we have to incorporate her into the comics because right we'll just forget about the millions of times right she's she's tried to kill all of them or betrayed them right exactly it's it's bullshit i cannot express how much i fucking hate that they made mystique a hero in the movies because she's not a good person and also neither is hunger games girl jennifer lawrence yeah she's not a good person either (laughs) don't make jennifer lawrence a good person Uh uh-huh 
So, like, you know, Proteus gave these townspeople, like, the power to kind of just do whatever they wanted. Um, like, whatever they could think they could make happen. Like, make their fantasies come to life type of thing. Yeah, and, it like, some of them sort of did, and then some of them were really scary. So, like, there are, like, these shots of, like, sexy things about to happen, and then there's the one shot of, like, this giant frog eating somebody else. Yeah, it was really fucking freaky and really creepy. And that's what I'm talking about, about, like, this art style. <clears throat> it was just really cool. And Proteus makes, like, a really good point. He's like, you know, Xavier, do you still, like, believe in this dream? If there are more good people than bad people in the world, your dream would work, right? Like, clearly it's not the case. So many people can dream up, like, all this terrible shit. So he's kind of got a point there that there are lots of bad people in the world. What's funny about this quote-unquote Xavier, who, you know, X or whatever you want to call him, is, like, he wanted to drop a nuke on the whole fucking thing, which I thought was kind of funny. Honestly, the only part of this book that I like is the art. Even this issue, I didn't really care for. Why do you you dislike this book? I don't know. I... Okay, so you know how my taste in movies is bad? Yeah, Okay, so I like, like, really (laughs) in-your-face comedy movies that get, like, fucking 20 scores on Rotten Tomatoes and shit. Like, Dumb and Dumberer? Yeah, I, you know, I just want something, like, straight and up front. You know, I don't like this, all this, like, intricate, like, Legion, the show kind of stuff where, like, you don't understand what's going on, and I feel like that's a lot of what this series is. Really? Not really, but, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just not, like, as straightforward as the other X-Men books are. Um, I hate X. Yeah. Um, I hate, yeah, it's I, weird. I hate Mystique. Yeah. Um, I hate that X was just able to, like, wave his magic wands and fix everything, make Warren be able to be Archangel but still control his shit. <laughs> um, you know, after he's been struggling with this for years... And, you know, Betsy basically had to, like, hold his hands the whole time. Now, bam, snap of the fingers, he's magically fixed. Kind of negates all of that from happening. Yeah, it's just, uh, I just... I get you. And, like, I don't remember Proteus coming back. Like, I don't... I mean, (sighs) I just... I don't like that Phantom X just, like, rolled over and was just like, yeah, fine, take my body, it's fine, I'll just stay here in the fucking astral plane. I feel like if Phantom X has been through a lot in, like, the past few years, and that was his way of trying to just, like, make things right and, like, make, a like, a noble sacrifice because he feels like a piece of shit. But at the same time, like, I I feel like can't... X kind of used him, though. Like, don't you think, like, he could have, like, mind-controlled him into doing that? I, I don't... I mean, yeah. I don't really think that he did because Xavier is in there. It's just, like, this weird, like, mesh of the two of them, sort of. What disturbs me the most about it is not even any of that, like, emotional stuff. It's the fact that we have a dude with, like, pretty much Xavier's face and blonde hair. Yeah. That bothers the shit out of me. I just, I, it's, like, ugly. I want it to go away. I yeah, want it to and stop. Also, like, put a knew? bag over your head. Sorry. Who knew that <laughs> Phantom X was hot, right? Well, honestly, I kind of did. He talks and acts like he's an attractive dude. And you kind of have seen his face before. Yeah, I know you before. have. But so, seeing, yeah. Seeing the whole ha-ham package <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, you know, puts it together for me. Yeah, well. And, uh, well, okay, anyway, he's a lot hotter than Archangel. Not hotter than Angel, 
but a lot harder hotter than Archangel. So next we got New Mutants Dead Souls number two. And the first thing I got to say about this is like, whose idea was it to give both Richter and Shatterstar porn stashes Me. and then just suddenly shave them off and nobody talks about it? Me. Literally nobody has Me. talked about it. Okay, because, okay, here's the thing. Both Richter and Shatterstar like having sexual relations with men and facial hair is not comfortable being rubbed against your intimate areas. So what I think this alludes to is that they're both eating each other's buttholes. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing the fact check on that one. Yeah, I'm um I'm Googling it right now. Uh-huh. Gay, yeah. gay guys on eating I- buttholes. Click on images. <laughs> no, I'm clicking on videos, man. All right. Um okay, so the team has to go to Russia. So I guess Guido upgraded from carrying a kitten last issue to carrying a hairy Russian dude. That doesn't sound like much of an upgrade to me. You know, we get this, uh, there was some Norse battle that was like frozen in time and some jackass wanted to thaw them out. And then like the big reveal here is like, well, you know, who told you to do this, Alexi? Uh, And he goes, uh, Tran. And I'm like... Is that the best Russian accent you can do? <laughs> what? No. His I was name not, is, his name I was is not, Alexi. I was not trying to do a Russian accent. Well, Did it sound it like was, I was trying to do a Russian accent? I honestly... It was the worst Russian it's accent a, I've ever heard. It's a seamless transition between my regular way of talking and a Russian accent. I know. Yeah. You know what I like? White Russians. Those right. are good. You brought that up last time. Did I? Yeah. You are a drunken brunch waiting to happen. Just like boom, boom. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know you know who likes brunch? Richter and Shatterstar. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they were at the beginning of the issue. <laughs> um, honestly, the only <laughs> point of going to- That was a shitty Russian accent that you just tried to do there. <laughs> The only reason to go to brunch is to get mimosas, and that's all Boom Boom was doing- she was just drinking mimosas, just chugging them down. Uh-huh. Just mimosa boom, mimosa right. boom. We don't <laughs> We don't need to talk about uh, the conflict and the issue. We can just talk about boom, boom, getting drunk. Well, okay, I need to tie it in because you didn't mention it, and that was our opening. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to tie that back in. Yeah, okay. So let's go back to uh, Alexi and this frozen in time Norse battle. So Tran is Karma's dead brother. Right? In her very first appearance, he was being a douchebag and, like, mind-controlling the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and everybody's fighting each other and they shouldn't be fighting. And then Karma's like, nope, I'm absorbing you. And she did, somehow. I don't know. It sounded ridiculous. It looked ridiculous, but it was badass. Dude has been dead, like, ever since. And it seems like he might be coming back. Did you I guess. did you know that if you're a twin in utero, you can absorb the other twin if you're stronger? Right. Didn't Xavier do that to Cassandra Nova? Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So I'm tying it all back to X Men. You know what? I was telling Jonathan before that you know X Men just sounds like a fucking soap opera because it doesn't make any sense. So you're talking about Zorn, and like, <laughs> like at first he was just like magneto in disguise and then there was actually a zorn and then there was like an actual evil twin of him i don't know who <laughs> zorn is 
Who am I? Who are you? <laughs> Does anybody know the real Zorn, though? Does anybody have Does even a Zorn? evil twin? Does even Zorn know who the real Zorn is? No, that's why he that's... just watches... Uh, what did he say? He said he watches soap opera and Impractical Jokers. The joy is in the journey. He's on a journey of self-discovery. Yeah, he's like this like fucking hippy-dippy-dippy Yeah, dude. he's a hippy-dippy-dippy. Is it That's how you say the it. The hippy dippy, what's it called? The dipstick that you put in yeah. your car to test the oil? Is it a dipstick? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay, well maybe <sighs> maybe they're bringing Tran back because because they need to have an evil brother in X-Men because they um in Generation X, um they just defeated uh what's his name? Uh plate? Yeah, M plate. Yeah. So, uh we need to have an evil brother, I guess. So let's just bring back this guy who's had one appearance, <laughs> like whatever, fucking, fucking, like okay. And how many of you read this? Or like Tran, and just instantly were like, "Yep, that's uh, it's fucking Karma's brother." I, I mean, I I did, but like, so what's your? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that like you know somebody who hasn't read every issue of X Men might not put that together. Yeah, but I mean, that's why I it took me so long to actually pick up like current comics because I was like. I don't want to have to learn, like, fucking 70 years of history. No, I, I, I get you. I feel like... No, but he's been referenced since then. That's first of all. Okay, but he might have, you know every he, character in their dead brother? Yeah. He, uh... <laughs> I don't know. He's he, Maybe he's even showed up in, like, flashbacks and other issues. To be honest, I, I don't know. I bet somebody, you know, out there knows. Somebody out there? Yeah, out somebody there out there in Radioland. Even if, like... People reading this don't know, like, who Tran is. Like, they'll probably, you know, discuss all of it in the next issue. Context clues. Yeah. So Tran Tran rhymes with Shan. Yeah, exactly. So they must be related. Yeah, it's true. Because my brother's name is is Maddie. Uh Uh-huh. And then... And then we have another brother named Fatty. Uh-huh. My mom didn't like him much. Yeah. The funny thing is, is he's the skinniest one out of all of you. That's true. Uh-huh. Man, somebody's got egg on their face, and it's not him because the bro don't eat. <laughs> so, um, my favorite part was at the end of the issue. Some kid is like dared to knock on this house in the woods, and it's just supposed to be like this creepy, spooky, haunted place here, or whatever. And fucking warlock opens the door, and he's like, Yelling. he's like screaming, yeah. like, um. Please explain to self why on premises. Yeah, no, that was funny. My favorite part of this was when Magic grabbed Boom Boom and teleported her inside the Frost Giant so she could drop a bomb. Yeah. And then tele- and then teleported it out and they're covered with like blue goo. And then the fucking thing throws up and Boom Boom's like, were we just in there? And Magic's like, yeah. And she just throws up and Boom Boom's like, okay, I'm sober now. All right, so next up, we're going to be talking about Domino number Ooh. one. And I was, you know, definitely excited for this book, but I was also uh, a little worried because, you know, Domino's a cool character. Gail Simone's a good writer, but I was like, you know, how interesting could this possibly be? I really like this first issue. David Baldion, uh, the artist, is fucking dope. Like, he's yeah, gotten... Yeah, the art was great on this. He's gotten a lot better. Not that he was ever bad, but, like, he's just gotten so much better. I feel like the first time I remember seeing his art was in Young Allies, and I think that was like 2009 or 2010 or something. And, it, you know, like I said, it was good, but he's just gotten amazing. 
he actually, and this was really cool. So a couple of years ago, I wrote an article about Ricky Barnes, who was, you know, like one of the main characters in Young Allies. And, you know, Geekade tweeted that article and um, David Baldion saw it and retweeted one of the images that I used for it and said, look at my girl punch. And I was like, oh my fucking God, like this, this guy looked at my article. So I thought that was really cool. But so as soon as you open this comic book, there is puppy. a big dog. Bam, puppy. It's well, a not little a, dog. It's a little it's dog, a but it's dog. like, but it's like big on the page. It's a little baby dog. And I'm like, everyone's getting pets lately. It's zero years old. <laughs> so that was, that was very cute. Um, I like the team up with Outlaw. Uh, there was a lot of narration and exposition, but it felt like it was building, you know, kind of, it, it, it like actually meant something. It counted for something and it was over all of this action and the action wasn't just mindless, stupid action. It all felt like it served a purpose and it was funny. And, you know, there was a fastball special, which I thought was really funny. And, um, cause she got a wedgie from her costume and that happened. That was sexy. That's real. So yeah, so there's some mutant who goes by Grey Wing, and he's like all ugly and shit, and he's saying that they look like models or whatever, and he can't control turning into this gross monster. And even in his human form, he looks pretty gross. Yeah, he's fat. And he's kind of right. <clears throat> like, all these fucking heroes look like fucking sexy models and shit. There's like, how often do you really get ugly ones? Deadpool. You get Morlocks. Yeah, and, and Deadpool is covered like all the time. Uh, or almost all the time. And you get the Morlocks, who are literally fucking live in the sewers, had like a miniseries once. But like everybody else is sexy, even Domino. Okay, so she's fucking really pale with like a black tattoo over her eye. She is hot AF. So anyway, an outlaw, even though those are implants and I don't like those, she's sexy too. So anyway. is that Was that like actually like said in a comic that she has fake boobs? Yeah, she got breast implants. When was that? I don't know, a long time ago. Oh, okay, whatever. So this was, this is the thing that's always, like, annoyed me about, you know, series that have gone on for, you know, spanning, like, 70 years or whatever. Like, with the X-Men and, uh, like, you know, Domino was talking about, like, oh, my tragic past. And she mentioned that a few times. But, like, there are no references anymore. In old comics, like, in the 80s and 90s even, <clears throat> They would reference and, like, put a note and say, like, for more of Domino's tragic past, check out blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. But, like, I've read every issue of, like, Uncanny and stuff. And, you know, something like this could be hidden in, like, Fantastic Four, 497 or something random. Like, how the fuck would you know about that? Because I don't know anything about <laughs> her background or her history well, or, like, where to find it, you know? Like, you would have to go on to one of these comic sites that has, like, every, like... Uh, story arc with her listed in it and stuff like that yeah no that's 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 true i'm i feel like she's had mini series before like they've definitely um explained a bit about her past i don't know how in depth it's gotten but um i don't know if it was explained in like a mini series or what comics or when or whatever but i i get exactly what you mean back in the day whenever they would reference something they would always, like, write it, like, on the panel with an asterisk. Always. Yeah, like, see Secret Wars. Yeah. Issue and four. they still do that, but not nearly as much. And, like, and like you know, especially if they're referencing something that happened 20 years ago. Yeah, like, no, that's very true. When, like, you know, a lot of their fans who are, like, new readers or whatever or who are younger would not have known 
even like new fans like i was talking to this guy at my work who's like really into the x-men he's never heard of like alpha flight <laughs> next caliber and like for new readers like that well so you know, i guess this is what gail simone did here is she gave him like you know uh like a reader's digest version of yeah, yeah, yeah. the past which i appreciate but you know i mean like as like a diehard fan of the x-men who feels you know kind of like a left out yeah yeah it feels left out like not knowing this like that reference would be cool because i would stop what i'm doing go back and be like oh let me read through this issue now you know before i continue on with this exactly um Anyway, no, this this was this was a great issue. Like they hear about this like mercenary topaz or whatever, and you know she shows up, throws Domino out the window, whatever. There's a puppy. Who cares? Yeah, but that but that was the thing that struck me as a little odd. Like I know the music's loud, but how did like this old guy and topaz get into Domino's place without literally any one of those fucking superheroes? noticing oh i'm sure they're going to explain that in the next issue you know maybe he's got like God, some phasing so. power like kitty or he can turn invisible or i'm was, hoping that they'll explain it that and it's was not just like first well thought. we uh we just we just snuck in here yes yeah. that's enough explanation for you some of them are drinking sure but still you know cable is a soldier he should like know somebody's sneaking in the place warpath warpath should be able to smell that you know what i mean like come on Oh yeah, so, he's got the the bear sense. <laughs> what from uh, from Spider Man and his amazing friends? That's Thunderbird. Oh my bad, my bad. That which is fucked up because of what we're gonna talk about in a little bit. You should probably know the difference. Jesus Christ! All right. So anyway, do you think Guido with a pet Russian guy spells collusion? Would you give it a dumb and no or a dumb and yes? You dumb and stick around, and we'll be right back after the break. Did you know that Geekade.com has tons of original geeky content written, recorded, and produced by fellow geeks? Are you calling me a geek? That's rude. The staff at Geekade.com love video games, comic books, wrestling, TV, and movies so much that they write articles, record podcasts, and produce videos for other geeks to enjoy. Sleeping with a stuffed Pikachu just makes me young at heart. Yeah? And what does that Deadpool-themed fleshlight make you? Shut up! You're not my mom! Stop by geekade.com today for tons of geeky content and tell us what's your geek. With Wolverine returning to Marvel Comics, you may think there's no longer a need to save him or the X-Men, but you'd be wrong. Oh, uh, we have to help them? Wolverine and the X-Men are always in danger, and I bet you're asking yourself, how can I help? By getting your shit together. One million to save Wolverine and the X-Men is a Facebook page for X-Men fans by X-Men fans. Tough trivia, awesome artwork, and sweet original swag for sale. One million to save Wolverine and the X-Men has something for every X-Men fan. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit so it's together. Go like one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook today. And if you gotta take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Just get your shit together. (laughs) Alright, so... It is time for our Mutant Memories, and we have three comics that we're going to talk about. So many. The first two are New Mutants 16 and 17. Those are right next to each other. Because I want to talk about the Hellions. (gasps) Um, And for those of you who don't know, the Hellions first appeared in New Mutants number 16. That's so convenient. That's one of the ones we're talking about. Which was published in June of 1984. That's when you were born. Which is the month that I was born. 
That's the year that you were born, too. And the year that I was born. Right. And, and You're not getting the date. You're not, I'm not giving them the day. What about your social security number? Because then they're going to find out where I live. What about your address? And they're going to do nothing about it because give, nobody wants to come meet me anyway. Give them your driver's license. <laughs> so the reason for this whole story is because fucking Shadowcat went with Doug to the Massachusetts Academy. To go check things out, right? It was for Doug to check out the Massachusetts Academy. He wanted to maybe go to school there. And Kitty was like, fuck, uh-uh. Um, I'm, um, not, I'm not letting my super weak, boring-ass, blonde, hot boyfriend, poor, helpless, defenseless, uh, let's think of more words to offend Doug with. Uh, we didn't want him to, uh, you know, go by himself. So she right. tagged along, even knowing that, you know, the, the Massachusetts Academy is run by the fucking Hellfire Club and Emma right. Frost. Right. Like, why the fuck would you... Gosh, Kitty was so fucking stupid. No, 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 but it's not just her, because Xavier signed off on it. Like, Kitty is, like, barely a full-fledged X-Man, and sh- they're just like, yeah, sure, Kitty, you can, you can go chaperone him by yourself. So stupid. I don't know. So, anyway, I mean, duh, bad shit happens. This evil Aryan bitch is there, who I love, by the way. But, like, the new mutants go to fucking rescue Kitty. And I just thought that this was really, really cool to see the team in such a dangerous situation, like, work so well together. Just, like, being all stealthy and, like, taking out guards and shit. And, like, you know, changing their costume. And, like disguising themselves and it was just like i don't know they just had this whole plan and they seemed like they had all their shit together huh right right i got summer? it i got it together right summer got it together and like the build-up towards the actual brawl was really creepy you have like this aerial shot of like sam and amara i think just like walking by and like you don't know who's watching them except like you see like the name Jetstream, and we don't know who that is yet and then there's fucking cat's eye in the shadows and like you know that they're being followed and then suddenly fucking boom james punches roberto in the face and like what's interesting about this guy immediately is he seems sort of concerned for their safety like you just punched homie in the face why are you worried that he might get a bruise now because he's really strong and he's a nice boy. Yeah, but like we don't know that yet. He's you know a I mean? nice boy. <laughs> like, I thought that was cool, and like immediately he's called Thunderbird, and it's like, wait a second, guys, hold up. There was there already was a Thunderbird. There was already a character called Thunderbird, but he's dead. Why are we call this guy Thunderbird? So, um, no, all the fights were just really really cool and it just seems like the new mutants were getting their asses handed to them by this team that we don't even know yet cat's eye and tarot are fucking weird and they're dealing with magic and danny and then like empath comes out and like i don't know and then there was a huge fight between jetstream and sam and i they have a big rivalry because they have the same power basically but the thing is is like jetstream needs help with his power and sam doesn't And to me, Sam is, like, immediately, like, clearly the superior fucking cannonballer. Wait, what do you mean that uh, Jetstream needed help? He has to get, like, the mechanical things on his legs to help control where he goes. Like, otherwise, he's not very good at it. Regardless, it was badass to see the two of them flying around breaking shit and fighting. I don't know. I really like that. I don't know. So I just thought that this was a great introduction to a villainous team. 
Um, because there are so many parallels between these kids and the New Mutants, and that's like obviously the thing. They're trying to set up this rival team. So I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was really effective. So then like in the next issue, we get a little bit more in depth into who these characters are, and we're seeing the Hellions interact with each other after this battle is over and it characterizes them very well. Jetstream is like a really hot, is like hot headed. Haha. Haha. Empath is like the smarmy, awful dipshit, I pretentious jackass. I hate Empath for so, much. so many reasons. He's so rapey. I don't know. Thunderbird seemed like the more level headed. Like he should be the leader, and Cat's Eye was just really cute and weird. She's really cute and weird. She Same. wants. She wants to go to sleep. My son's coming up. I want to go to sleep. And Emma's like, no. No, kitty. That's a bad And she kitty. said she made her go back into human form, and she was like, "I don't like it, but okay." And she looks cute as a human too. I don't know. And then we find out Thunderbird's real name is James, who wants to fight the X Men over the death of his brother. Who could that be? The New Mutants are like kind of like held against their will, but it seems like the Hellions come to a consensus that like we want to have this honorable duel, which is a really interesting thing. Because, like, we, you kind of get that, like, all right, so they're not good kids, but they're not totally evil. Yeah, who was it uh, who said that? Uh, I think it was Jetstream. Jetstream said, um, you know, like, we, we made the decision to come here, and uh, we don't think it's fair for yeah. you guys to be forced to be here. Right. So even though you were kidnapped and stuff, like, we'll have a one-on-one duel. You pick your fighter, we pick our fighter. And if you win, you can go. If you lose, then you stay here with us. Yeah. And uh, the thing was that um, Magic was able to get Danny and transport her to Limbo. And they went back. And they were like a year in the future. And um, they saw the team. And the New Mutants and the Hellions were like bonded together. So like that's what would have happened if they had stayed there. They would have integrated into the system probably because of um you know a slow brainwashing through Emma. Yep. Uh, Magic and Danny made were able to go back in time and uh you know to get to this battle thing. Yeah, it was really weird. It's like they didn't really know what to do with Magic. They they like they weren't certain what to do with Magic's powers back then. You know, because like this whole traveling through limbo and we don't know how much time is going by. You know, that's not a thing anymore, and that didn't stay a thing for very long. And the whole time traveling through the teleporting discs, like, that didn't stay a thing either. So I feel like maybe Claremont didn't really know exactly what to do with her power immediately, but it's okay because, like, they kind of just pretended like that didn't happen within yeah, the same even, issue. they never even, like, explained it away. Yeah. They just, it just stopped. She was just able to, you know... They got back to, like, the normal time, and, like, everything was okay again. So, like, let's just forget that ever happened. But, so, I I loved this idea of, like, the New Mutants and the Hellions sparring and, like, competing with each other. And guess who each team picked? Yeah. Obviously Cannonball and Jetstream. Yeah, and, and it was great. It was a really cool sequence. But, like, Cannonball seemed like, you know, the winner, and Jetstream still didn't want to let up. He's like, no, you're going to have to kill me. And... I was really upset because then it ended, you know? Like, that was it. We didn't get to see any more of the kids, like, 
competing against each other because Emma and Shaw show up. I wish that this had lasted another issue so we could have seen more of these kids going up against each other, like pairing off. Like, you know, you might have like Tarot and Moonstar, obviously Cat's Eye and Wolfsbane, but I just, I wish there was more than this because it was, I loved these two issues so you'll, much. You'll get more, I think it's uh, around issue 50, maybe like 47, 46 or something like that where uh, they come back. No, I know. I've read, I've yeah, read yeah, yeah, yeah. like almost every appearance, I think, of the Hellions, but I just, I would love, honestly, yeah, now. Yeah, these two issues were really good. Write like, write a series that takes place back then of the characters, you know? Like, give us some, like, behind-the-scenes stories of things that, like, they did back then. Th- things that they fought for or whatever. Like, give us a miniseries now about those kids. I would buy the shit out of that. I don't know if everybody would. I don't think there'd be enough sales for it. But I would fucking love to see that. So, anyway. So, yeah. Like we said, we, we, we both love these two issues. I really fucking love this team. But what we're going to talk about next is this this little, like, tie-in that they set up between uh, James being Thunderbird and the brother dying. Because in Uncanny X-Men 193, uh, James decides that he's going to get revenge on the X-Men. He actually sets out to do it. Wait, wait, wait. wait. This is tying this all together because I was just talking about dead brothers. Yes, you're right. I was talking about dead brothers, and now we got another dead brother. I know. You know what? Now that you say that, though, I'm a little worried about your brother, Fatty. (laughs) <laughs> you should give him a call and make sure he's okay. Okay. He's too thin. Right. He hasn't been looking great lately. Yeah, he's a little wafty. S- what? Wafty. Wafty? 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 Wafer? Like you're wafting the smell in? <laughs> wafting the aroma? <laughs> Man, it's that fatty smells, which is his rapper name. Kind of like Biggie Smalls, Fatty Smells. <laughs> so thanks for that. All right. <laughs> so, Uncanny X-Men number 193. James is fully decked out in Thunderbird's uniform and knocks out Banshee. Um, like, that's hard. And so, so well, yeah, because he, like, you know, his powers were still kind of, like, no good at this time. Um, he hadn't been an X-Man in a while. And he sends the X-Men a message that he's holding Banshee like hostage at NORAD where John died. And so obviously they need to go rescue their old friend. So of course the setup for this is, you know, Xavier got beat up the last issue by a bunch of students. He's in like a really bad state. He's like really weakened. So he and the X-Men go, but Xavier's like, no, I'm going to stay behind on the Blackbird. No, nobody worry about me. I'll be okay. And he's wearing his kinky fucking outfit that Kalisto picked out for him. Well, yeah, he, when he, he got came, changed. When, yeah, when he came back but to the I mansion. Couldn't, I couldn't let that go without mentioning it. No, I, I know. I figured we were going to mention it. And little. he walked so sassy on his way through the danger room. Because they were calling just, him out on it. Just like head held high, wearing his fucking S&M gear. You knew he was embarrassed, though. But it's because of the shit that he gave Sam, like, whenever that was. That was that. There was the New Mutants Annual, right? Yeah, He gave one. Sam shit for showing up in, like, the pretty much the same clothes. Yeah, so Xavier isn't in good shape. So, yeah, he stays back by himself. No, Lockheed's there. And we still know very little about Lockheed, who is basically just acting like a cat and napping on the fucking chair. And so, honestly, if 
if James had come just by himself, like maybe it would have been okay, but Empath and Roulette followed, and they managed to fuck up Xavier and get into NORAD and basically stir up shit for the X-Men. Like the X-Men were in there, like all set to find and locate Banshee, but Empath and Roulette got in there, the electrical systems, like got fucked up because of Roulette, and then Empath had like the security guy like calling all these robots on the X-Men. And so, also, uh, fucking uh, Empath was being all rapey with Firestar. Did you see that? That was the next thing I was going to bring up. Because that's really not cool. First of all, Firestar was so fucking cute in her first appearance. She just looked so cute. I know! Even though she she really stood out because they kept the Spider-Man and his amazing friends costume instead of putting her in a Hellions costume, <laughs> which fucking, alright. But you would just immediately feel so bad for her because you know empath is just fucking with her head and making her do these things and yeah this is the whole rapey thing about this little shitbag empath is the robin thick of comic books because he's rapey <laughs> yeah one of my favorite parts of this book was when wolverine and james finally like meet and they actually fight because he, like Wolverine remarks, like you're like a he's he's like a really good fighter, and he's really fucking strong, and because of like the knockout gas that fucking Norad put in the in the room to like stop them, Wolverine and Kitty probably would have died, but James fucking dragged them out of there because he couldn't let them die. So like this is like hearkening back to what we were just talking about in New Mutant sixteen, like. His concern, like, he's a bad guy, but he immediately showed concern for Sunspot and Wolfsbane, and he's showing concern for Wolverine and Shadowcat, even though he fucking hates the X-Men. And he finally gets out to the fucking Blackbird, he has a knife with him, and he wants to stab Xavier, but he can't fucking bring himself to do it. Like... Just the way Xavier was talking about John Proudstar and like, you know, your brother was like, you know, such a good person. He sacrificed his life. He knew what he was doing. And like, James just can't fucking do it. And I just feel so fucking bad for the guy. Like, he's just such a conflicted and like potentially good character. But then the issue ends with them going back to the Hellions. And like, Xavier is like trying to extend his hand to the kid and he's like... No, like, I, I don't know what, what I'm going to do, but, like, I, I, I have to go back, and I, I don't know. It was just really sad. It was really tragic. I really understood where James was coming from, and I just, I really loved this particular issue because it really showed, like, this, this character is, has, like, such fucking potential, and I don't know if you have anything else to say about it. I love him. <laughs> Great. <laughs> And like today, you know, a lot of that shit's been resolved, and he's kind of like the big, strong, silent type more so now. He's and also, like a teddy bear. The strong, he's so cute. The strong, silent, stabby type. Yeah. I guess, guess because of the knives, but uh, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, he 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 is a good guy, but it, you know, it's just really tough to read through this issue. Um, it was like a double size issue too, so it had a lot of story, and I, I really enjoyed it. I encourage anyone who has not read this issue, like I know, like Uncanny One Ninety Three. Oh, it's uh, the first appearance of you know Firestar in continuity, because I'm sure there are people somewhere that care about that. But uh, really, for me, this was a really a story about like the Proud Stars. It, it gave a lot of like interesting depth to James Proudstar. I'll give you some interesting depth. Oh, great. Ugh. <laughs>
so we are joined now by Jordan and Brendan from the Nonstop Comic Shop, which is a comic book po- comic book podcast that you can find also on geekade.com. Uh, and the reason why we're doing this is a couple of months ago, um, Jordan and Brendan uh, discussed a little bit uh, their thoughts on NYX, or again, Nix, if you will. Um, and I... We're here to talk shit at them. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, some conflicting thoughts on it, which is okay. That would probably make for a, a little bit more interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, Jordan and Brenda, you guys want to want to introduce yourselves? Say hello, what you guys are about. Oh, hello, hello. Uh, I'm Jordan Hazelwood, and I'm across the sofa from... You know, you know, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself this yeah, time? Yeah, I guess I'll introduce myself. Hi, I'm, I'm uh, Jordan's co-host, Brendan Michelli. And, uh, yes, of course, with the, uh, the Nonstop Comic Shop, uh, what we do is uh, we, um, we like to review not just comic books, but also uh, comic book-based media, because that's, you know, that, that's all the rage these days, after all, so... Um, like I, I've reviewed, uh, that, that is to say, we've reviewed a lot of the larger release of movies like, say, uh, Justice League or Black Panther or Thor Ragnarok. Um, I was really pleased with my ability to, um, to sing the, uh, the, um, plot of Thor Ragnarok to the tune of, uh, Steve Miller Band's, uh, Rockin' Me, uh, <laughs> Baby, that song. That was, uh, not, not something everyone can do, so my hat's off to you, sir. I, I'd like to think that Weird Al would have been proud of me. Um, <laughs> But I also review a lot of uh, a lot of comics, both old and new, um, uh, and I I do my 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 best to stay away from the X Men stuff, not just to to uh, to um, avoid stepping on your guys's toes, but also because <laughs> Brendan really cannot stand Wolverine. Nope. Okay, <laughs> get get off passion. of my fucking podcast right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, hate, I hate him with a fiery passion that burns hotter than a thousand suns. He he is daddy goals like <laughs> for real. Like I cosplay both Jean Grey and X twenty three, so like literally he's daddy. Jesus. <laughs> but um, um uh, yeah, yeah. So in, uh, in response to what you said earlier, Jonathan, um, you know we we were also uh, you know cast offs from another um, uh, comic book based podcast that ran for 75 episodes on uh, on other distant um, uh, shores on the internet. And uh, recently we decided to uh, sort of do an ex- a, a retrospective and talk about, since this is the internet, the worst comics that we've ever reviewed on that show. Um, and uh, one of the, the one of the top uh, 20, which was 21 technically, but you know, who, who's counting, uh, yeah, it was indeed uh, Nick's uh, Wannabe, or NYX. I'm, I, that, 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 that is the first great... Um, Illumination of my, of uh, my, my, all my time spent uh, defending how much I despise that book is that apparently it's not pronounced Nix. I wouldn't have guessed because you know the main character's last name is Nixon, so right, right. actually Makes I assumed sense. that was supposed to be like her, you know, her sweet, you know, uh, mutant code name. But then I checked on Wikipedia and apparently it's supposed to be an acronym that stands for New York X Men, which. Obviously, which, which is which is offensive on so many other different levels. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is, and and I've thought the same thing. You know, I mean, I, since I've heard about this book um, for for years now, I've assumed that NYX stood for New York X Men, which doesn't make sense for a couple of reasons. First of all, like this was not like these characters are not an official team. You know, it's not like they're <laughs> X Men. They're they're just they're simply mutants. Some of them, most of them, not all of them. Yeah, but they all have the X Factor gene, which right? Makes them 
mutants. So that but, X could stand for the X gene, like an X factor. They're not all X men. Some of them are just X factor. Right. But okay. But the thing is, is like, how do you differentiate between X Men and New York X Men when the X Men are in New York? It's it's kind of to me it's a little bit of a redundancy because you know I, I get exactly what you're saying, Patty. But I, I'm looking at it like okay, so then there should be the New York City X Men and the New York State X Men if we want to differentiate. Well, you can also just just read it as New Young X Men. Right. Well, New Young Which... might make more sense, but the reason behind New York <laughs> X Men is the fact that. Um, New York City uh, based um, people tend to think that the rest of New York State is just the suburbs of New York City. It is. So it's, uh, it's they don't differentiate as... between New York State mm-hmm. and New York City. It's all New York City as far mm-hmm. as they're concerned. Hence, right. New York X Men, despite the fact right. that you know the X Mansion is upstate. Right. Uh, well, well, from what I understand, the the X Mansion, you know, the Xavier Institute is based out of Westchester County, which is adjacent to um, like the Bronx or or, or Manhattan counties. Isn't well, it? so yeah, it's, it's not the, that far away. No, it's, it's always, really not. It's always mentioned as forty minutes away. Yeah, and we're actually right, sort of in between. We're closer to the city than we are to Westchester, but yeah, we're literally not even a twenty-minute drive outside of New York City. So when you said considered like you know, it, it is like suburbs and an offshoot. We literally say upstate. Because when you say New York around here, you're talking about the city. You have to call it upstate, otherwise people are going to think you're talking about Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, tell, talk a little bit about, about the episode itself uh, surrounding NYX. Because and tell us why you're so stupid. Be- <laughs> because um, cause if people want to go listen to it for reference, because like you guys did like a fine job recapping everything, we don't need to do all of that like we want to hear your take on it and then you know we'll give our rebuttal our take on it but i want you to have the chance to introduce the episode give listeners a chance to go listen to it for themselves okay well uh, thank you i mean to be honest i was actually going to recommend that that you guys start off by by explaining uh why you like it and why you're wrong because i mean after all (laughs) brendan and i have already spent essentially two episodes (laughs) talking about this already so yeah Listen, dickwads, this is our show. We we make the rules. Patty, listen, guys, Patty calls all the shots. That's I just kind of sit in the corner and... Uh... Mm-hmm. All right, so you want to start or should I start? Um, I, I guess I'll start because, um, you know, I, I was the, that was the first one of us to read it. And, I mean, I was always... Inter- I, I guess I was always interested in it because it was the introduction of this character who uh, of X-23 who I remembered from a really... A honestly kind of fantastic episode of X Men Evolution, the animated uh, series yeah. that ran around like the very early two thousands. I wasn't the biggest fan of that show. I, I thought it was it was kind of a pale imitation of like the early nineties X Men cartoon that that all of us really? love that I'm sure you guys have heard about since you use the theme as the theme of your show. Oh, I watched it as a kid growing up. I watched that show religiously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I did kind of appreciate the fact that this, you know, this character who was meant to be a female clone of Wolverine was introduced in a cartoon first, and was then later adapted into the comics continuity. I'm like, hey, another a, a new Harley Quinn. We could always use more of those, right? Or Firestar, um, or even more, or even Morph, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's a great point because that kind of thing doesn't happen too often. They create an original character for a cartoon or a show, and then oh no, let's write them into the comic books. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I somehow missed collecting it when it initially came out in like 2003 <laughs> or 2004 or so. 
And I want to say, actually, the impetus for me picking it up, and I don't think I mentioned this in any of the other shows, but I was uh, playing Uncharted 2 multiplayer, and uh, I'll try and keep this short, but uh, yeah, there's this guy who had a, his, his clan tag was X-23. And I actually asked him if, it, if that was based on, on the character, and he says, oh, yes, I, uh, dude, have you ever read, like, Nick's Wannabe? He said Nick's, so this is why probably why gotcha. I switched those on Nick's. Have you ever read Nick's Wannabe, where she was introduced? Like, it is one of the greatest goddamn things I, I ever read. Dude, this, this girl is introduced as a sadomasochistic child prostitute, and it is just, I have waited my life to see that. <laughs> Well, those are my goals too, Backslash. man. And I ignore <laughs> and yes, I blocked him later because, like, I, I think I yeah no, I did tell you, I did tell Brendan this yes. before because I said like you know I I, I feel like I, I could I could probably judge people uh, you know people that acquaintances I met based on this metric. How long do I know them before they bring up the the subject of enjoying child prostitutes? Because <laughs> wow. it's like for for Brendan and I, I want to say that was like ten years because it took it took it, I known him for ten years before I mentioned how much I enjoyed Taxi Driver. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna count that. Jeez. But. That's it's an important standard to have, my man. So, so listen, it's all right. <laughs> so, so, so that that was what, what what drove me to finally find the uh, the trade paperback at a, at a convention, and I read it, and I, I told Brendan, like, dude, we're gonna have to review this for the show. <laughs> I, I am shocked at how bad this is. Wow. So was I was shocked at it as well uh, when I when I sat and did the review and, and read through it. For a very long time, American-produced comics uh, were very under my radar, except for um, small press and independent stuff. Like, I read a lot of Dark Horse's output, but Marvel and DC, as far as I'm concerned, weren't good enough for, to, for me to waste my time with. And um, doing the show with Jordan has opened my eyes to a lot more American stuff, more big mainstream Marvel, mainstream DC. And I look at this and I'm like, you know what, this, this is bad no matter who makes it. Like, like, I've read good Marvel books and good DC books, and, and, and Nick's was was really bad, and it wasn't until I got into the history of it and the history of <clears throat> who was behind it that I started to realize why it was so bad. It was not so, It was not a guy saying, hey, I've got a good idea to introduce some new characters into a story, into the, the wider Marvel Universe, or, hey, let's make, let's, let's introduce X-23 into the wider Marvel Universe, because that, um, someone tried to do a mulligan and redo her introduction a few years later, and it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as this. Um, yeah, that's that's someone being the people who actually created her for X Men Evolution. Yes. Um, well, this this was not a guy saying, "Hey, I've got a cool idea for some new characters." This was um, a man using his position as the editor in chief of Marvel to throw a petulant temper tantrum because comics were different than when he was reading them, and he wanted everything to go back to the way it was when he was reading comics as a kid. Yeah, Joey I, Q mm-hmm. is the reason this book is not good. It's, it does not. The problem is, it does not exist in a vacuum. He wanted to make a book where the X Men are feared and hated because he didn't like the fact that you know Professor Xavier outed the X Men as a mutant superhero team, and that the, the the Xavier Institute was for you know mutants to con- learn to control their powers and become productive members of society. He preferred it when everyone the world over universally hated and feared mutants, except for the superhero community. And chase them around with torches and pitchforks. Yes. And so, you know, despite the fact that this takes place in the wider Marvel Universe where the, the uh, uh, spontaneous uh, torch and pitchfork-bearing lynch mobs are not actually a thing, 
we get a scene where a girl spontaneously expresses her mutant gene in a classroom and the entire school attempts to murder her as one. There's okay, not, you clearly don't read X-Men comics, re- though. Because <laughs> that's, still, that's still a thing. Yes, but there's not the far more realistic sequence of she expresses the classroom. Some people would absolutely want to uh, beat her with bats because they're the, they're terrified of mutants. But nowhere in there is a student going, you know, hey, so and so is a mutant. That's awesome, or that's cool, or you know, cool, or nobody is just you know freaking out normally. No. It's it's everybody decides to as one lunge and destroy her. It's like there's that 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 anger alien from the old classic Star Trek episode hanging out in the corner, making everybody psychotic. Mm-hmm. The reactions don't make sense. And then, you, I mean, you, I, well, even I mean, when you progress on beyond that, you've got three characters who have three. Actually, you have four, five technically, because of the kid you don't find him out to the end. Mm-hmm. More on him later. Uh, they're all expressing his mutants. Okay, great. Uh, everyone knows the Xavier Institute is for mutants, and as you yeah. pointed out, it's a forty-minute ride from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> None the, of them the, think. Let's hop a cab, go talk to Patrick Stewart, and our problems are solved. I, I do feel like that that was a, a huge uh, like you know dagger in my heart reading this because it, it, from from just what I what I assume and and know in addition to assuming about Joey Casada and how much he wants to just like hit the reset button as hard as he can to to uh, to bring the you know the world of Marvel back to like the sixties or the seventies it seems you know if he can't if he can't convince uh, every superhero to sell their marriage to the devil in order to make this happen. He just sort of pretends that this greater world doesn't exist. So it, it was just it was unfathomable to me that in this story in which like uh, 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 was it Kaiden Kaiden Nixon who was, was the main character mm-hmm. is it, it, it's easier to forget that I admit when Kaiden Nixon's teacher gives gives her an assignment to like compare Charles Xavier to Martin Luther King Jr. and then shortly thereafter she she develops mutant powers. And decides to basically, you know, live on the streets and eat garbage as opposed to hiking over to, to, uh, to Charlie's mansion or because, again, because this is 2003 and 2004, shortly after, like, Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, there's no, there's no X-Corporation in town to, you know, to, to offer her, like, amnesty. Which that, that was a major element of uh, of that run. There's, uh, you know, apparently District X, uh, Peter David's District X does not exist. And considering the fact that that was supposed to be in like the Lower East Side, and she's from Alphabet City, which is right next to the Lower East Side, that just seemed weird to me. And it was especially, especially galling. The worst element is when she saves her despondent teacher's life because she tried to kill herself because she got shot in the in the uh, the the scene in which she uh, which Kaiden discovered her mutant powers. It nearly killed her her teacher. And then her teacher tried to end herself, and but then she saved her with her mutant powers again, and was explaining this whole thing to her. And her teacher basically flat out said to her face, "Mutants don't exist. Like that is a fairy tale, and you are older than that, Missy." <laughs> yeah, the teachers. Uh, that was the, the a teachers Dana hideous, levels of uh, hideous of scene. disbelief of the obvious mutancy of the girl in front of you. Like the girl's like, look, I'm a mutant. Here's what happened. Here's why I got shot point blank in the hallway, and the bullet hit you, passed through me, and hit you because I stopped time and went around the bullet, and that's why I was uh, stopping time. Is how I was able to save your life when you had your suicide attempt. You know, this is what's been happening to me. This is where I disappeared for a while. This is what's going on. You're not really a mutant. You know, mutants doesn't you know aren't aren't a real thing. It's like no, no. 
Oh. It's okay. clearly supposed right. to be, you know, like a parallel to, you know, parents or whatever saying that, like, transsexuality doesn't exist or homosexuality and things of that nature. That, that would, okay, I, so I could, I'm not... I, could, I could agree to that point if it weren't for the fact that um, when someone's saying, someone says, I feel like I'm a man, but I physically a man, but I feel like I'm a woman, you know, you're, you're talking about feelings and perceptions which aren't tangible. Stopping time is a mutant power that you can see the results of. Shooting right. eye beams, uh, shooting lasers out of your eyes is a physical thing you can see the results of. You cannot be skeptical skeptical about shit that's got a physical effect that you, you can see, especially in the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man, you know, <laughs> leaps from, from buildings and, you know, She-Hulk lifts you know, uh, a, a train over her head. You can't say that, you know, that they don't exist or that's not real. Right, it, but, because, but the... The the thing here though is I, I get what you're saying, but to me that's not exactly what was said and exactly what went down. Um, and I, I noticed that you pronounce it Kaiden. I was under the impression it was pronounced Kitten, which sounds yeah, that's how I say it. Which sounds silly, but when I look in the book and they sometimes call her Kid for short, yeah, that's just. But oh. it, it, again, one of those things that you we're, know. We're, I mean, we're all learning stuff about pronunciation today. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've never met anyone who has that name. I, I think I, right, Joey Q would oh, have served us all better by picking normal names for his characters. Right. Well. Okay. But my my point was that. Uh, you know, the, the teacher seemed more, like, flabbergasted um, that she would claim to be a mutant because, first of all, there was no immediate evidence. It's not like, oh, you can't be a mutant, and then kid and suddenly stop time to prove it. It was more like, you know, just because a weird incident happens doesn't mean that you're a mutant. It was more disbelief rather than just outright denial. Like, you could never possibly, these things don't exist. Like, what I'm saying is, like, I get where, you, where you're coming from, but that's not how I was reading the teacher's sentiment about it. And to the point before, you're like, you're 100% right about these other teams existing and being around District X and whatever all taking place in New York City, a place where superheroes are historically fucking abundant. Mm. Like, there's <laughs> nobody... like a dead cat without hitting somebody in a cape. It, right, so there's nobody around, but to me, um, and, and I'll even give you the point that if this had taken place over only a few days, it would be more believable. But this happened over a longer period of time. No yeah, superheroes got like involved traveling in this. for like six weeks. I but think. my whole no, even longer than that, actually, because I think it was a period of months that Kitten was away from home. You know, Mom was already getting like remarried and shit. But uh, my whole thing with it is like he even like as as many shortcomings as Joe Quesada has and he has because I know he's got it out for mutants and mutants are like basically our babies um I appreciated the fact that they were trying to keep this a little separate like what is it like for people living in the inner city to feel detached from real heroes in the world you know you have people who kind of like stand like watch spider-man swing by and like children are like oh you know that's amazing and like it's all these like hopeful hopeful feelings that you have and it's not so in nyx you know it's this mm -hmm. feeling of characters who have hopelessness and feel alone like not just in their own families which are all broken apart but from the larger Marvel Universe. And, and I feel like that sort of disconnection is important to the overall story. And, because and you're absolutely right. That sort of disconnection is important to the story and, and, is, and is needed for the story to work, and that's why the story doesn't work, because they set it in New York where there should be no disconnect. Set it in Detroit. Detroit X-Men. Mm. 
The X Mansion no, is a, the X Mansion's a six hour oh. taxi drive. No one can afford that. They're stuck in Detroit. They got to deal with their own mm-hmm. problems. Now you've got something where the the premise isn't under undermined by its setting. Yeah, I I, I always said um, you know if I were a career criminal in New York City, I think I'd move to like St Louis or Seattle or yeah. someplace that is that has a a obviously less. Um, <laughs> The, the, uh, the, the overflowing the, population of superheroes. The urban detachment, the the urban hopelessness, the 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 bad situation, the poverty, the drugs because her brother is smuggling dr- drugs. Those are those are all um, those can all benefit the story. But when you put the the mutant factor in there as well, and these characters have superpowers, you you then you know, have to be very careful about where you actually set the thing. You can't just pick any old city. You've got to pick a city that hasn't got resources to solve all of their problems. No, well, sure, so but also would have been a better set. Would have been a much better setting uh, because it's even it's in terrible shape compared to New York, and there aren't you know uh, legions of superheroes hanging out to solve all their problems. And then you know, there's, there's issues apart from that. There's um, one of the issues I had was the way into X twenty three was introduced mm-hmm. was purely for Edge Lord von Edgenstein factor. Yeah. I, I I don't I, have a problem with someone doing a, a story that involves underage prostitution, if that story, if that if that aspect of the story serves a point. But X twenty three is, is the, the the child prostitution angle is just so the artist can draw her in extremely skimpy outfits for a couple of issues, and then as soon as she joins the larger group of characters, she be, fades into the background and is a non-factor until the final uh, showdown where she murder stabs a shitload of dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, before we I... before we skip over that, the, no, for, for me, the, the one scene of X twenty three that was just completely beyond the pale and just and head and head desk is just thumping stupid is that. So there's a scene in which her her, her John, who enjoys pain, I assume, you know, because he, because you know he had his back scratched up. He says, "Baby, you're the best there is at what they, at what you do, and what yeah. you do is not very nice." Um, no, so well so without he, so, without the second portion of that, but yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. So it was, it, it was an allusion to Wolverine. I really think that the uh, that point, the child's prostitution thing, that like totally went along with the rest of the story and this feeling of just like utter hopelessness and uh, you know like desperation. And I think that it was a really good introduction for her character, honestly. Um, like you know, with kid in on drugs and you know all of this, it it just added to the feeling. Uh, you know, the art was there. Like I thought, everything worked really well together. Yeah, yeah, for, um, forgive me, forgive I, me, but that that was actually not the point I was trying to make. I, what I was getting at is that is that when when that guy comes back for round two and he draws that buoy knife, oh, and sure. it looks like he's going to you know you know gut her. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, yeah, so then you cut away and then Kidden, but it's going to be weird for me calling her that. Kidden, I think, uh, and, uh, and Tatiana, I believe, like, wind up, I can't remember how this happens, but they wind up at, in her, in her, you know, flop house, um, they're getting chased by dudes and they just bust through the door because dudes. And they discover, uh, X23 having popped her claws and seemingly gone feral, just like feasting on that guy. Well, she's not and actually, then, she's not eating him, but she, she is basically sitting on top of him. There is blood everywhere in the shot, and so you're you're led to believe that she basically, you know, he came at her with a knife and she mauled him with her claws, which mm-hmm. is entirely a thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, John's killing prostitutes is a thing that happens. Oh so sure, I am and totally I... not surprised. 
that they have a scene where the John seems to be trying to kill her with a knife. My issue is then in the next in the next installment, they're they're at they're they're having a post murder Denny's. Yeah, and they're at this diner, and you know, and Kid, Kidden is is asking her what happened and why why did you kill that guy? And the next twenty three says, "Oh, I didn't kill him. No, he 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 basically committed seppuku with that with that knife. He killed himself." Uh, because uh, he hates himself, and he hates that he abandoned his family to enjoy, you know, uh, you know, uh, fucking uh, hot, uh, hot young Wolverine. So he wants to just end. He wants to end his life nobly. By that I mean, you know, gut himself and then and then leave his favorite prostitute to clean up his body. Which well, which I- seemed which seemed like it was just a, a pointless twist to a pointless cliffhanger. And then the fact that the artist decided to depict her. Sitting on top of on top of his corpse with her claws out, it's like if he stabbed himself and fell over dead, why is she popping claws? Why is she why is she grinding her hips on his corpse? Well, the, the, the image is there cu- to make it look like she killed him, and then we get the reveal that she didn't kill him because are they are they trying to make her seem sympathetic? Like she's not a cold blooded killer. She won't even kill in self defense. It's just you know everyone thinks the worst of her because she's a mutant. It was that the intent? Because that's entirely undermined by the fact when she and goes in the final battle she kills twenty five guys. Yeah, it's like the the guy they introduce as the as the rapey mind control guy is by the end of it the guy who uh, does a non lethal takedown on somebody with his <laughs> mind control, while X twenty three, the girl that they, they do a stupid pointless cliffhanger to show that she didn't kill a guy, is hacking limbs off with wild abandon at the end. It's like there's no consistency in the characterization. Well, Joey Q has people do what they need to do mm-hmm. to be cool in that scene and not to be consistent with what happened before or what comes next. Okay, we yield the floor. Go yes, ahead, guys. Well, what I was, I, what I wanted to say was, um, like, I, 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 uh, what, I mean, sure, it was supposed to be a cliffhanger leading into the next issue. You think that she did it, um, and it doesn't, whether she did or didn't do it, she had perfect justification for doing it. But also, she caught herself. Um, she was like likely on top of him, just kind of cutting her wrists because you know it's a very traumatized. Like why she's already she traumatized enough as the it is. The question is, why is she on top of him? Because there why were no seats left. Why does she need to get on top of this guy to cut herself when she's shown cutting herself in whatever situation she's in earlier? And like she's in the in the club with the the pimp guy with and he's, Zebra Daddy. When he's, well, we got we got this this long without mentioning the villain's name is Zebra Daddy. <laughs> yeah, she's she's calmly cutting herself sitting. Meekly next to him, uh, it's the, the the it's the the editorial decision, the writer's decision to say to the artist, draw her kneeling on top of the guy with her claws out to convince the audience she killed him, and then we we pull the rug out from under them later on, saying no, she didn't, and it leads to the, it's it's a indicative of another problem with the pointless twists that are pointless. The biggest one being the mentally handicapped kid being a mutant secretly. Uh, causing the, the kid in to see the ghost of her father. That reveal, that twist, is a twist that when you look back at the rest of the book, makes no sense. This guy, this kid has absolutely no contact with Kidden of any kind, yet he knows her well enough to you know make a phantom of her dead father appear and guide her through all the stuff that's going on. It's well, like, the kid it, is a, it, the it's kid. Implied, it, he has mental powers and and can read minds. I, it still would have felt more natural if she was her next door neighbor and the kid knew her and knew of her her father's death. That would have felt more plausible. As it stands, it's just like 
we, we can't have the supernatural, so we reveal this kid over here who's been in maybe four panels the entire book, has been secretly the mastermind to, to getting these, this group together, and, 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 you know, so they can fight evil or whatever. And it was just, it, it, it undermined so much else in the book. I mean, it, it just, um, and that was the that was the plot twist that made me go back and look at all the other pl- alleged plot twists and realize that they were all simply done for cliffhanger value and not actually flowing from the narrative. First of all, I want to say that like this isn't like the be all end all book for me. Like this isn't one of my necessary favorites. But when I listened to your episode, there were just some things that like I enjoy it, and there were some things that you guys pointed out, which while I do understand, like I just. For me, that, that whole, the autistic kid, like, I'm just looking at it like, okay, well, he's psychic. Like, it was a really weird reveal, but I didn't really know, like, what else they would have done with that, to be honest. The fact that he was psychic and could likely sense the other mutants in his general vicinity just sort of kind of made sense. Um, one thing that I will say I didn't really like about the book is how it sort of ended. Like, I know they followed it up, and uh, to be 100% honest, I'm not 100% sure if I've read the follow-up. I want to say that I did, I but I cannot, I cannot recall too much about it, so I'm going to have to go back and look at it again. I, I have, I have this... read uh, No Way Out, and it, it just um, if I may just say one brief thing about it, um, I would be interested in revealing that for a future episode. I feel like I, I like the story a little bit better, but it's still incredibly flawed, and it ta- it, it deviates so hard from uh, from things established in the previous NYX. So well, so, so much so, in fact, that I honestly wonder why they even bother coming out with this with this uh, with a sequel at all. Well, sure. I mean, you know, it's a different creative team, so I mean, I can sort of understand that. But um, yeah, no, the autistic kid was was sort of you know interesting. Again, for me, it sort of made sense. The whole thing with X twenty three, it was kind of like uh, it really was just an incidental thing, you know, just where she was sitting and like the blood and you know the cutting or whatever, like. I uh, much we can like we'll all talk about this some other time, but her you know first miniseries, uh, Innocence Lost, which I thought was great and gave you know her a bigger backstory. I will give it that she was very quiet and very background until the very end, and I have to say that when she cut loose, that that was amazing and i wish we had more of a chance to see it back then but then again you know craig kyle and chris yost had a had a chance to elaborate on that a little bit more um but again you know i thought x23 her that whole with the the suicide with the john in the room or whatever was was fine as far as like a cliffhanger goes and the autistic brother i thought it was you know like i said like interesting like i'm looking at it like you know is that something that like a really fucked up professor xavier might do well i wouldn't put it past him so well, i don't know but you kid, you now, that's a good, a good point if, but, if the kid uh, is presented as a, a professor xavier type who is manipulating everything and there is there are interpretations of professor xavier out there that they that he's like you know not quite as as cuddly and fluffy as he comes across as because he's got all these mental powers but the kid is such an 11th hour reveal that we have to assume he has a huge set of powers that we don't have any evidence that he's got. And honestly, right. it would make it so much simpler for the story if if Kitten's dad's ghost legitimately was there. Mm-hmm. Or, or if... Just make it simple. Or if the kid and his brother Felon were introduced a little bit earlier, that I'll, I'll give you a little bit on that. That that it was weird. It was like maybe the second to last or issue. Or if they if they dropped hints throughout the narrative 
that uh, Felon's kid brother was a mutant. There are right. no hints in the narrative. It is not until the reveal that we find out, you know, he's uh, he is the uh, a mutant and he's been behind all of this. And that reveal, because it's done with absolutely no hints, is why it's so artificial and undermines every, everything else leading up to that point. It's if you're going to put a twist in something, you know, uh, put some some subtle hints in there that lead up to it. So when someone goes back over the story, because that's what people do when they get to a twist at the end of a story, they'll go back over the story and go, "Why didn't I see this coming?" If you go through the story and say, "Oh, because the writer did not at any point provide any hints that this was a possibility," then that is a bad writer. That is something writers are not. I don't necessarily to do. agree with that. I think that it was interesting that uh, you know. Like, why is this special kid here? You know, like, it made me, like, wonder, like, what is the point of this character necessarily other than maybe just adding to the depression of the whole narrative? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I, I think the reason, what we were supposed to suspect was the point of the kid was that he was basically uh, Felon's um, MacGuffin. You know, he was the... The, the, the helpless ward of his that he was fighting for, you know, he wants to just want do one big, one last big score so he can get enough money to move to, you know, some, some nicer place than Alphabet City. And that's actually and, what Felon states at like one or two, mm-hmm. two yeah. places like, and, he's doing and, it all to get his kid brother the medical treatment that he needs. Yeah, he I'll, broke I'll, bad. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, although, although, broke I, bad. <laughs> Although, um, um, frankly, I would argue though that, that, uh, that, um, even using the kid as, uh, as that sort of emotional, uh, I guess you know, guide wire for uh, for felon. You know, a, a, a sympathetic a sympathetic element to his character. That's that seems kind of forced to me after felon was introduced, basically raping Christina Aguilera in the shower. Here's the thing: that scene where he mind controls the the pop star and takes a shower in her body. Everyone sits there and jokes, saying that you know when Clark Kent got his superpowers when he was a teenager, you all know he used his X-ray vision to scope out the girls in the locker room. And we all have a lot of joke about it, but the fact is, if you are a hormonally driven teenage boy and you get superpowers that will allow you to, to spy on naked girls, you're going to use them for that purpose. And so him using his powers to essentially, you know, um, spy on naked girls or, you know, basically see a girl naked, I see, I, cause, cause these guys are all supposed to be very, very, very late teens at the, at the oldest. Mm-hmm. I see that as being something that a, a, a hormonal guy with superpowers would do, um, which does not make it any less fucking creepy or awful or absolutely disgusting. Yeah, and I thought that was supposed to be. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to introduce him as just like the worst character ever. Um, <laughs> because like I have absolutely no empathy for any kind of that bullshit. I don't care what kind of hormonal nonsense boys are going through. If they are, they need to be fucking gelded. Yeah, no, like and X twenty three just happens to have knives in her hands. The scene makes sense for a teenage character who has no adult uh, guidance in his life to make that kind of, of an absolutely wrong choice, but we find out very shortly later on that him using his powers has a very big drawback in that he loses his memories and sense of self, and he is scared of this uh, side effect of this power. He actually you know, tells people... I don't like using this power a lot because mm-hmm. it, it messes with me. So now we have a teenager who is aware of his own mor- mortality, which is rare for teenagers. They usually think they're invincible. This guy's got a power. He knows it's got a drawback. He doesn't like the drawback. Unfortunately, that completely conflicts with him using that power for so frivolous a thing as rubbing one out. Mm-hmm. Which so is, which is This is weird. what I'm getting at about the characterization not making any sense in the, with these characters. 
He's, he stated, this power I have scares me. It's very, very useful, but when I use it, I lose a bit, I lose a chunk of myself, and yet we are introduced to him using it for, to, to do something that could be amply satisfied with internet pornography. I'll give you, you know, that much. That was a weird sort of introduction for the guy, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense, and it was sort of a contrast, uh, a stark contrast, like the rest of what he went through, because then he reluctantly does this job for Zebra Daddy. But the dude had worked for him before. He had done work for him before. So it's like, well, wait a second. How much do I want to feel for this guy? So that's why I wasn't like the biggest fan of his character, especially, you know, since he showed up so late. I was already felt more attached to Kitten and her teacher um, and even X-23 and Tatiana. I started the book... Hating Felon, liking X-23, and liking Kitten at the start. Well, no, not liking Kitten, but being kind of indifferent to her. I hated Felon because of how he was introduced. He, he's introduced essentially raping. Uh, X-23 <laughs> is a victim, and Kitten is a brat. By the end of the book, Felon was the guy I liked, X-23 was a psychopath, and Kitten was still a brat. Because <laughs> in the final fight, Felon is the one guy, the one character who does a non-lethal takedown of someone. X-23 rips dudes apart who literally pose no threat to her because she cannot be killed because she's, you know, uh, she's Wolverine. Listen, those guys deserved it. Yeah, you know, they did. They absolutely did. And seeing a character like that who is a girl, like, actually just unleash her shit, finally, like, all this repressed emotional baggage that she's been through, all Mm -hmm. this baggage, all this self-harm, and finally... Being able to take it out on somebody who actually deserves it and seeing her, like, cut free, let loose and shit, that, like, made my fucking 12-year-old heart, like, (laughs) fucking melt. This was one of the first comics I ever read, and to this day, it's one of my favorites, and, like, I just reread it, and it's still... Like, I think stands the test of time. I love this comic. My only complaint about X-23 in there is that I wish, um, like, I get it. This was, like, the big reveal for her cutting loose. You know what I mean? I, but I, part of me wishes we could have seen that a little bit earlier in the book. I get it. She uh, had I, to yeah, stay I'd, quiet. I'd, I'd say the big reveal for her is her supposedly killing her John, which was, which they, they backpedaled on for, for, for no, no, uh, uh, no reason I, that I could see. So like, like, it's like literally her, the ending where she, where she wails on all those dudes would be more, make more sense and be more organic if the John tried to kill her and she kills him in self-defense. I, I just no feel like that would have been... They couldn't have the John try to kill her legitimately and she killed him legitimately in self-defense. There'd be nothing, it would not damage the character at all and it would, it would make her, her actions later on feel more natural but yeah. revenge is so much more satisfying to watch than self-defense. I feel like, you know, honestly, she was maybe a little scared. Like, when you think about it, why was she going along with Zebra Daddy for so long? Why, why was she why going is, along with these Johns for so long? I feel like she was, you know, a traumatized child who was forced into prostitution. But how do you um, force someone she had who is to... immune to damage and is a walking murder machine to do anything yeah. they don't want to do them already? Yeah, I, I but also she, wondered But after... my, my point is, hang on. My point is, is that she did go along with it, though. You can ask why, but they're writing it as if she did go along with that. And when you read Innocence Lost, she's so fucked up and traumatized. Like, sure, that hadn't hadn't been written yet. But if you read it as far as continuity goes, she was so fucked up and traumatized that this is the life that she went into. Why wouldn't she have cut loose, you know, and killed Zebra Daddy and these other Johns earlier if she wasn't traumatized to some degree? Whether she has claws... 
Whether she has the ability to hurt all these people, not feel any pain or heal from all this damage. And it was only when these people who took her in, so to speak, yeah, they're homeless. But these people who took her in were in danger where she really cut loose and killed some people. And I think that was actually really excellent. And again, my my initial point was that I just kind of wished I had seen that earlier or seen more of it. You know what I mean? To me, she's just cool like a really cool character and to see somebody that messed up that fucked up in the head cut loose like that and just murder all of these terrible people was like patty said so satisfying to see um having read um uh, innocence lost and also the the one that the 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 story after it that yost and uh and kyle wrote to actually uh seemingly fix a lot of things about innocence lost as well i i have a hard time exactly figuring out how how uh, NYX fits into that continuity. It, it's not like, yes, she she's seen some shit, but, but she's seen some shit since she was, like, nine. Or you younger. Know, and, and, or younger. It's like she was trained for all her life to be this, this, this weapon. And it just, it seemed weird to, I, I felt like she was more mature than to just say, to say to herself, well, I guess it's child prostitution for me. The yeah, things for, travel travel she, halfway across the country. She makes decisions well, in Innocence Lost that are too mature and too adult for the decisions she makes in uh, Wannabe to seem to flow from that. You, you mentioned like she's such, a, she's such a cool character, but I read Innocence not Innocence Lost. I read uh, Wannabe and I go, what character? She's uh, an illustration. She's she's spank material for the first couple bits she's in. Then she quickly fades in the background while other characters talk, and then at the end she's a whirlwind of destruction. But like her, her character that I get from reading uh, Wannabe is um, we don't really know what her character is. Let's just sketch her in the background and forget about her. I can I can tell you what what Kidden is like. I can tell you what Tatiana's like. I can tell you about Felon. Hell, I know more about Felon's brother than I know about X twenty three. The way she's portrayed in that book is she's in the book because that's what's going to sell the comic not because they've actually got an idea of what they wanted. Well, I think that they had her in there also as kind of like an air of mystery. Like, they didn't want to explain everything right from the get-go. Like, kind of, kind of like how they introduced Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> so, um, and like, like you said, like, okay, so obviously Innocence Lost came out after NYX, and um, I agree that, you know, it seems a little weird that she, like, kind of regressed like that. But you also have to remember that she fucking killed her mother. Right. She has no yep. family, no parents, nothing. She has nothing. She doesn't have, like, even a pet friend, you know? She's all alone in this world. She has nowhere to go. She probably doesn't know about the, uh, you know, Xavier's Institute. So um, she's, you know, all alone gets her way into the city and is like, well, what now? And, you know, I feel like she's probably, like, repressed a lot of things so that that's why she doesn't have a problem, you know, prostituting it or whatever. You know, she's she's, she's a victim. She's cold. She's you emotionless. You mentioned, and you like mentioned it's... about her being mysterious because they wanted to do something like they did with Wolverine where she doesn't have her entire past isn't, you know, laid out. Like, Wolverine was, yeah, his past is a big question mark for most of his existence. The difference between her and Wolverine is, as much as I dislike Wolverine, he has personality. I can describe Wolverine's personality traits. You pick, you show me any X-Men book he's in, and I can read it and go, here's his personality. I read uh, Wannabe, and I cannot tell you what her personality is, except door, violent doormat. 
Well, sure, but also at the at the same time, Wolverine had a much larger and longer history than Laura did. And again, I'm looking at this from a continuity perspective, not oh, this came out you know years before like the backstory came out. Looking at it in continuity, um, to me, it still makes sense because again, Wolverine had that really long backstory. Laura did not, and so what they did and. That defining moment in Laura's history was when she killed her mother when she was under the influence of the uh, trigger scent. And that was what really snapped something in her head and led her to this life she just kind of fell into. And to me, it just, I look at that, you know, cause I did read Innocence Lost first and I look at that and I'm like, this, this, I, I get it. Now, if I, a 2003 me reading this for the first time, a few of my opinions might be a bit different. I don't say it's a long shot, but it's probably a little different. Um, but it, to me, it just it makes sense in continuity. Maybe I just have a more delicate constitution than the average person, but this book is disgusting. Like, I know it's, it's, uh, like, uh, what is it, uh, max, it's a max rated, and which, which kind of, which, you know, Patty, you said that you read this when you were 12, like, you, you're, yes. like, it's like an NC-17 movie comic book. It wasn't really that bad. Well, it was like R. I, I would say, uh, I would when, say the, when the dude punches the parakeet to death and the, the puppy gets run over by the car, the um, parakeet lived. The parakeet lived. Yeah. That's that's a point that I forgot that I remember you mentioning. The parakeet did live. It I, looked like it died, but no, he 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 did live. You see him again a little bit later on. Oh, so he was only pining for the fjords? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, he uh, got punched, and I'm not trying to excuse yeah, that no. douchebag for punching a parakeet, but I'm saying, thank God it lived, because yeah, it did live. Um. When when uh, Kaiden's uh, f- friend and exposition um, uh, dumpster Kara, I think was her name, uh, she gets she gets beaten so uh, she's, she gets beaten so hard in the, um, uh, the 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 hall of the school that she floods the floor with her own urine. Um, the the uh, I, I was going to say that when when the uh, when the school uh, you know, uh, hoists their, their torches and pitchforks to chase after uh, uh, Tatiana when she first mutants out, maybe it's not because she's like a, a, a werewolf now. It's because she she vomited an ocean <laughs> that flooded the school. There, maybe, a, maybe that's what they're upset about. There's, uh, there's as, uh, as many um, bodily fluids, th- uh, non-blood bodily fluids, uh, making an appearance on this page as you'd expect to see in your average Garth Ennis book. Yeah. Um, I will say that you, some of the comments you guys have made have made me reevaluate the book. I think I still think it's terrible on every in every measure, but I think there was potential, real potential here. I like the idea. I want to see a street level superhero uh, book where they don't have costumes. It's kind of I think one of the reasons why I like Runaways so much, mm-hmm. although that was a bit more for color. You know, uh, an inner city, uh, um, uh, no prospects, lo- street level, fairly gritty. Um, you know, a group where you know they they don't have the resources to call upon that most uh, superheroes eventually get, and I think I do want to see that story, but it you know Cloak setting it in New York was a trip was a terrible yeah. mistake. Uh, These characters in a different city might have worked better. Not putting X twenty three in the book at all might have worked better, but then of course nobody would have bought it. I mean, they literally, they put her on the cover of every issue, even issues she's not in, to get you to buy the book. But, um, you know, there, there was real potential here for the story, and I think you're seeing the potential that, uh, that I see Joey Q squandered. You're, you're seeing it, uh, you're, you're, that's the potential he squandered is what's drawing you to it, and for me, it's what's the nail in the coffin. Is that yeah, the potential, I and that potential is so let down by Joey Q's execution. 
Well, maybe it's because I love D-list characters basically for a living that I would like to see potential in a lot of things. Um, but yeah, like I said, I saw a lot of potential here. There were definitely some, uh, definitely some missteps. Um, but, um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, I don't think it was amazing, but I also don't think it was bad. Definite missteps, but I don't know. Overall, it was pretty good. We are going to be wrapping it up in a moment, though. But I want to give you guys a chance to, you know, like, plug your show or say where people can find you on social media and wherever, all that good stuff. Well, obviously, we, we hold down uh, the Nonstop Comic Shop uh, podcast. You can also find at geekade.com, where uh, surely, if you're listening to Mutant Musings, you're probably at least, at least mildly aware of Geekade. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, our show is, uh, bi-weekly. We try to, to get a new episode up, uh, every other, uh, Tuesday at 7 a.m. And, uh, here in the future, we are, obviously, we're, we're gearing up for, um, Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm barely on social media at all, frankly, so that's, it's probably, uh, it's, it's probably not even really worth it. I, I would pay attention more like Chris's, um, social media, so to know what we're up, what we're up to than my Twitter account. Uh, but, um, no, in addition to Nonstop Comic Shop, I'm also, uh, I try every Thursday to be on, uh, uh, Geekade's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Geekade, um, for a show that I call The Synapse Truly Streams or TSZ Squared. It makes sense, uh, spelled out, it, not, 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 not orally, but, um, no, I do my best to, uh, stream for my PS4, uh, every, um, uh, every Thursday night, I actually did a bonus stream uh, last uh, last what was last night, but it was uh, on a Saturday to make up for a stream I missed the previous year, uh, year previous week. Ooh, I'm tired. Um, no, so, 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 so that's what I do, and um, um, I can usually be found in my room since I don't leave the house much. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a social media <laughs> presence, so it's pretty much um, the nonstop comic shop, or you knock on my door if you want to find me. Nice. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you guys again, um, Jordan and Brendan from the Nonstop Comic Shop for Thanks joining for us. And, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I certainly look forward to a future episode of your show in which uh, which you sure. get to defend um, Extreme X Men Storm the Arena, which was <laughs> in case you're curious, uh, uh, NYX Wannabe was like number thirteen on my bottom twenty. Uh, Storm the Arena was number five. I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunities to do more crossovers and, and reviews and, and cl- on the classic books uh, again in the future. Um, but thanks, guys. That'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. One million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes, and check out some of our favorite X images on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. What do you guys think of Exiles number one? And do you want to see the classic Hellions return to comics somehow? Join us next time. We'll we'll be discussing new comics and some new news. Until then... NYX was alright. It was alright.